welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up? Along with Paul Roshan, AJ Riley, Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Bass, and welcome to Sports Carnage. It's uh, game night because since we last talked to you last week, there's been still no sports. Uh, Matt, whole lot Matt, Matt, other you stuff. did not say webheads. I did not say webheads. And you was just ruined it, AJ. You just ruined it. I, I know. <laughs> intentionally. It, it was semi-intentionally. It's not okay. It's okay. No. You can so, hear. <laughs> Good job, okay. Matt. Good job, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. I like. I don't know why Paul hates webhead so much. I think it works, it works really well fine. for what we have. That's why it, I wanted to call attention anyway. to it. <laughs> nope. There have been no sports. There's I love been a so whole much lot that Matt does. That is like other stuff. It. So game night, jumping right on into them. Starting off with. Who in the blue hell are you? Who the hell are you? And Ryan, you are up first. <clears throat> So, Ryan, this one-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, three-time All-Defensive member, is That was way too quick. Can we get a NBA champion. We are starting into this just a-blazing. One-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, three-time All-Defensive member, and is also a NBA champion, has played with... The man formerly and again, once again, known as Ron Artest. Damn, I thought it was him. I did too. (laughs) Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. One-time All-Star NBA champion. Chris Paul, Carmelo, and Ron Artest. Yes, sir. Tyson Chandler? Yes, sir. Good well choice. done. Hey, this man played with, play with our test. 0102 oh, Chicago. Jesus I didn't, Christ. I didn't know Tyson Chandler played with Chris Paul. Played with Chris Paul when they were the New Good Orleans slash Oklahoma City Hornets during Hurricane Katrina time. And Carmelo Anthony and him were teammates on the New York Knickerbockers. I didn't know he was in the Jesus Christ. He's been in the league forever. Yeah, he's been in the league for a while. That's crazy. <laughs> well done. 20 seconds or so. I honestly, when you first started reading those accolades, I thought it was Ron Artest. Hold on, can you tell me? Can you tell me? So it's one-time All-Star, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, and an NBA champ, right? And a three-time All-Defensive member, and a one-time All-NBA member, or three-time All-Defense. Oh, Ron Artest is four-time All-Defense. Because I was gonna say, Ron Artest would qualify for that that answer. Is Ron Artest only a one-time All-Star? Yes. That I, that I don't know, but I was just No, I just looked it up out of curiosity. But I don't think he <clears> even played with Melo. In, oh, New, in New York. One of those in, weird New York Oh, no. Oh, no. Players. Never mind. I'm sorry. Ron Artest. Well, he, for, he for sure never played with Melo. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. Damn sure didn't play with He could have played with Melo. I was more focused on the accolades. I think about it. I was way more focused on the accolades. Because that was an interesting set. That was. All right. Good job, Ryan. I'm ready. All right, Paul. I'm not ready. Your five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, and one-time MVP has played with Doug Flutie, 
Drew Brees, and Braylon Edwards. Five-time Pro Bowler, a three-time All-Pro. He did win the MVP one year. Played with the greatest collegiate Hail Mary, not named Michigan State's, Doug Flutie. (laughs) Drew Brees, and the Michigan man himself, Braylon Edwards. It's got to be LT. Yes, it is. Well done. I just, so I don't, when did LT play with, um... Braylon Edwards. Uh, they were New on the York. Jets together in 2010. I didn't know that. That's the one that was. That's where I was like. Well, I mean, that's why I said I, Braylon Edwards and not freaking, you know. <laughs> uh, I thought it was LT, but I'm surprised he's only three-time All-Pro. Uh, uh, there were some. There, yeah, they, they, there were some damn good running backs during his time. Yeah, he's a running back ba- in running back production. Still, Sean, like freaking Sean Alexander, the one year he won MVP. Yeah. So like dumb priest homes for I, a little I bit. I think like, I think the five Pro Bowls is more surprising than the three All Pros. Nah, because he is the best running back in the league for fucking. But yeah, that's he, I don't know, three three, that's three what, times just that's seemed what I'm really saying, To only make five Pro Bowls is more surprising to me. But I guess his career wasn't that long. Uh, Ladanians was about ten. I think it was just about ten. His productive career wasn't that long. His productive career was eight, actually. I was gonna say you like he was just off the top of my head. He was a top three running back. He was productive for like every year in San Diego. He just he wasn't a Frank Gore that he played for twenty years for no reason. No, no. I love the LT was my so I got a my favorite one of my favorite jerseys in the world the LT powder blue charter like it's so sweet. He was so sweet, man. I I mean, it's okay. No, it, 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 no, it's, it's pretty. The, the I, I got to agree with Paul on this one, and a lot of people like so. the the baby blue San Diego it's Charger. One of the best uni is one of the best. It's so good. It's so good. It's like a like one of the the coolest simple touchdown celebrations too. Yeah, just the little the, the head on the, the, the finger the hand on the head and the, the flick the finger roll. Hmm. I mean, it was all right. <laughs> I was a hater. He didn't. He didn't get the Barry like all the comparisons at the time were saying he's gonna get to. It ain't. It ain't the, the, the dirty bird from Jamal Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't even know what that is, do you? It ain't. No. Nope. Dirty bird. Sick. Do Ryan and Paul know what that is though? Nah, they nope. were. They no were way. They, don't. they were four years old. But Atlanta Jam- went up against Denver. If Jamal Stanford. Anderson didn't set the touchdown record for a season, I don't need to know about his stupid ass celebration. <laughs> 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 all right. Fair enough. All right, AJ. on me. I gotta get this freaking right. Yep. So, this six-time World Series champion, two-time MVP, seven-time All-Star, played with Jolton Joe DiMaggio, Earl Combs, and Lefty Gomez. All right. Say the accolades again. Six-time World Series champion, two-time MVP, seven-time All-Star. One more hint for you, the 30-second mark, if you ain't got it in the next 15 seconds. All right, give me them one more time. Six-time champ, two-time MVP, seven-time All-Star. Six-time champ, MVP, and All-Star. All right, and your extra hint, 
this man won the Triple Crown. He had to be a Yankee. It's not DiMaggio. Crowd fell silent. My guess is Garrick, but it's wrong. Yep, got it right. Well done. Play with <laughs> I Joe did DiMaggio. Say in well, I wasn't sure about I wasn't well, sure about Garrick very... though because yeah, DiMaggio came in like mid forties. No, he was teammates with Lou Garrick in thirty six. DiMaggio in thirty six? Yeah, that, I, I know. I was stunned too. Wow, he had a long. It's like Tyson than I Chandler thought. being in the NBA in 2002. Yeah, yeah, Luke that's Garrick crazy started, then because I was like, oh my god, too. That's a lot earlier than I thought because he played he, in what? with Mantle into the 50s. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like right, like crazy. I was not expecting to see Joe DiMaggio on this list. No. But yeah, DiMaggio in 36, Earl Combs in 24, and other years. Lefty Gomez in 38. Yeah, because I knew I was. That was the one that kind of threw me because I didn't know how long Garrett. All right, here's your three for three. Finally, I get one right. This is the first time in like three weeks. All right, Ryan. Is that true? Yeah, it's probably true, Paul. Yikes. It's probably true. Ryan, you're only two-time All-Star, but one-time All-NBA and All-Rookie member. Played with DeMarcus Cousins, both Morris Twins, and LeBron James. I'd say all rookie does not help me at all. Uh, yeah, rookie of the year would be better. It, it's still an accolade. Is, a, is it a two-time All-Star and one-time All-NBA? Yep. And played with Cousins, both Morris twins, and LeBron James. What the hell is that All-NBA player? Oh, what the hell is his name? Oh, my God. I got to look. What the hell is his name? Not, not even you. I'm trying to think of. Oh, I bet I know this one. I think I know it. I'm. Oh. I'm gonna be so mad if this isn't it. The Morris Twins have played for like 30 different teams. <laughs> um, no, he didn't play with Boogie ever. This sucks. Ten seconds. Ten. Sean Marion? No. Is it Equidala? No. God dang it, man. It is. It is the shorter, less accomplished. I did not get it to guess. Oh, go ahead. The shorter, less accomplished. <laughs> uh, I I was going to say AD because I have no idea. So go Isaiah ahead. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Oh, my God. Played Four with the Marcus Cousins in SAC 11-12. Played with both Morris twins in 2014-15 for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. That was that was supposed to be your big hint, was when was Markeith and Marcus on the same damn team. See, and, well, they both played for, like, five teams. No, no, so no, at the same like, time. I didn't hear you say at the same time. I just heard you say both Morris twins, which I was thinking, like, you know, they play with the Clippers. No, I'm only giving Lakers, three hints. The, so the they were lumped into one for a reason. Ah, gotcha. And LeBron James, we all know about his short time in Cleveland. Yeah, that didn't last long. All right, Paul. <clears throat> Your four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion, played with 
Plaxico Burris, Santonio Holmes, and Antonio Brown. What? Give me the three players again. <laughs> Plaxico Burris, Santonio Holmes, and Antonio Brown. What are the accolades? Uh, four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion. Okay. Thirty seconds. Really quiet, so I have no idea if Paul said anything. <laughs> uh, AJ, AJ syndrome. I didn't hear anything. Five seconds left, Paul. See Antonio Holmes and Antonio Brown, and who was the third? Plaxico Burris. Five. Michigan State great. Plaxico Burris. Three, two, one. Need an answer. Guess, unlike last week. James Harrison. Ryan? Big Ben? Nope. Doggone, man. That was my guess. Um, You said Plaxico? Santonio Holmes and Antonio Brown. Shoot. Wait. No idea, man. No, No, I'm not even going to guess. Oh, my God. No way. Oh, no. No, it's not. (laughs) Did you figure it out, Paul? I don't think so, but I'm just going to. Heinz Ward. Mm. Okay, good. God damn, now, man. Hang on. Ryan, are you right also? Did did Big Ben only go to four Pro Bowls? I have no idea. I don't, I don't either. So I, think I just know he won two Super Bowls. And How I was did Heinz Ward only go to four Pro Bowls? Uh, well, you know, you don't get to go to the Pro Bowl when you're going to the Super Bowl. That's true. This is bullshit. <laughs> Can't you get voted in, though? <laughs> I don't know. Let me see. I don't know. Big Ben. I don't think. <laughs> ben I mean, you, you might have been I, right I also, but. For sure thought it was Big Ben. I feel like Big Ben has has more Pro Bowls. I don't know if Big Ben was there when Plaxico was still there. I when think Plaxico, Plaxico there. had already yeah, shot know. himself in the leg and was on to New York. Plaxico because only shot. <laughs> Heinz Ward played with Plax in 2000. Big Ben went to six Pro Bowls. No, he had okay. six Pro Bowls. I, I didn't guess Big Ben. I just figured it was an old-ass person from those Steelers teams. I feel like James Harrison wasn't a bad guess, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a bad guess either. And you might be, you might be right. He might have only gone to four Pro Bowls also. Uh, five. Fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> uh. Oh, man. <clears throat> All right. Well, on the the back nine, I'm doing pretty well here. Front nine, not so hot. <laughs> All right, AJ. <clears throat> Plexico was on the 04 team with Roethlisberger. I'm gonna, that? I'm gonna talk so, my answer out loud. So they, they played so you guys together. Know if he, I can, he, if he didn't have the accolades, but they did. Plaxico was on the team for one year with Big Ben. He was at least one year. But Big okay. Ben had too many Pro Bowls. Yep. Matt, did All you right, hear AJ. Me? I'm gonna talk yeah. out my answer just so. Perfect. That's you know fine. If I'm talking or not. So AJ, <clears throat> unfortunately, the only accolade I have to give you is that this man is a World Series champion. Yikes. Oh. He and and the big the, the big hint coming at the thirty second point, if you haven't had, figured it out by then, okay. he has played with Ty Cobb, okay. Babe Ruth, and Leo DeRocher. 
So he is a World Series champion. He's played with some of the best of all time. Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, and Leo DeRocher. That's going to be your only clue next week. He was a World Series champion. Go. So, and at the 32nd mark, so your big hint is there is one slogan um, that you are told in baseball that you never want to be told in baseball and it's because of this man oh shh the slogan you never want to be told in baseball not not if you're a player (laughs) 10 seconds Leo DeRocher's one's throwing me off here Played at Babe Ruth, Leo DeRocher, and you said Ty Cobb. Mm-hmm. Five. I have no idea four, where. Three, oh. two, one. You don't want to get Wally pipped. <gasps> oh man, oh, they just. Oh, did that was that was a good on, that was a good one. On Sports Center about yeah, it. Yeah, he, he played that, with Ty Cobb in twenty in twenty in nineteen thirteen. With the Tigers before heading over to New York. Yeah, I knew yeah, that. Yeah, who took it? Was it DiMaggio? Who took uh, the spot? No, Lou Gehrig. And then he played with. Lou but where did he play with DeRocher? Twenty-five with the Yankees. Him and Ruth at the same time. Yeah, but Leo came later. He wasn't with him on uh, Babe Ruth. Well, Babe Ruth, I, I put twenty, but yeah, in, in nineteen twenty-five. Man, when you said that, Yankees. when you talked about like the slogan, like. I, I get what you're saying, Wally Pitt, but I was my like initial thought went to the, the bat off your shoulders. I was so confused. The the Cubs uh the Cubs second baseman that didn't tag second base to complete the out and cost them the World Series. Like it's not over till it's over. Like, that was the slogan I kept thinking. Uh, oh, I was thinking like didn't uh, you think of Wally Bill Pitt. Buckner? And I was like, yeah. well, you have TV footage of Bill Buckner, so it's definitely not him. Golly, Matt, that was a good one. Like it's 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 hard to find ones that aren't just obvious with the old timers. Yeah, Wally Pipp was a great one. I knew he played for Detroit too. Like after you said his name, I, I didn't. He played for. Detroit. I did not know he played with Ty Cobb. I only know of him as a Yankee. And getting you only <laughs> know him because he got replaced by Lou Gehrig and then never got back into the lineup. Right, hey, and he was a damn good player. He, he said <laughs> yeah. what he had he a, a, he had a headache player. or something, so he asked to sit out the game. Say what? So he had a headache or something, so he asked to sit out the game. Yeah, he had like a like, headache right. or something. He didn't yeah, feel <laughs> yeah, he didn't feel good. And got taken out. I bet he didn't feel good for the years after that. <laughs> yep. I bet he felt great after the years after that. Yeah. Man, oh man. All right, one for two. I count. I count that as a victory tonight, just because I right. won for two. So it, it was an even split on the house. Everyone got one. It's trash. Everyone Everybody gets one. one. All, All right, demand fellas. another. I will. I'll have three next week. Good. Yeah, I would say right. three of those at least. Go and to the Facebook chat. Two bench cuts. We are Life sticking fuck, fuck, fuck. with the theme from last week, with the two thousands. So two thousand to two thousand nine for football. Oh one. Oh, one season to 2010 twenty ten season for basketball. And oh, 2000 geez. to 2009 for baseball. Excuse me. So, your first start bench cut, SBC. 2000s wide receivers. 
And this was difficult. This is really difficult. Is this the whole to, body of their to, career? Because I haven't. No, no. Just Again, the stats are only from the time period that's being discussed. I hate when you do this. So, we got two that are really similar in certain ways, and one that's a standout in certain ways, one that's a standout in a different way, and three damn good receivers. Your options are the offensive leader for the greatest show on turf as far as wide receivers were concerned, Torrey Holt, the aforementioned two-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, Heinz Ward, and Derek Mason, who has completely impressed me with these numbers that I pulled up. I forgot that he was as good as he was when I started making this list. So, for Torrey Holt, from 2000 to 2009... The man had 868 catches for over 12,500 yards and 68 touchdowns at 14.5 yards per catch and a just over 59% catch percentage. He missed three games throughout this time period and started all but 14 games. As wide receivers, sometimes you start, sometimes you come off the bench. Heinz Ward, same time period, 819 catches for just over 10,000 yards, 71 touchdowns receiving, at 12.5 yards per catch, a 64.5% catch rate, and he also added 18 rushing touchdowns in this time period for a grand total of 89 touchdowns in this decade. He missed six games, started all but two. Oh, yeah, I forgot to add the accolades. Torrey Holt, seven-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, one-time champion. Heinz Ward, I already mentioned him, four-time Pro Bowl, two-time champion. And Derek Mason, 816 catches, for just under 10,500 yards for 56 touchdowns at almost 13 yards per catch and just under a 64% catch rate. Missed three games, started all but seven games. Two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Derek Mason was a Tennessee Titan, correct? He was a Titan. He was a Raven, I think, also for a little bit. Does this does this include um <laughs> does this include sets. postseason stats? I do not know if this includes postseason. I don't know how football reference works in that aspect, but I'm reading their season league. I don't think it, I, I think they I think they have a separate post-season. spot. For, they, they do. Okay, so this is just regular season then. You guys can hear me, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If that's how you counted them up, then yes. So your decisions between this is fact that Torrey Holt has much more gaudy numbers as far as receiving yards. Heinz Ward has touchdowns up and down the frickin' wazoo. And Derek Mason is just steady Eddie. Yeah. Had a good catch percentage, good number of yards, good number of touchdowns. So, Ryan, which one of these stud receivers are you cutting? Oh, man. I think um... – and I, I hate it because he probably had the, the worst quarterbacks out of the bunch because he did uh he did have to play with guys like Trent Dilfer. But I'm probably <laughs> going to end up cutting Derek Mason because I, I just like the other two more. Homeboy, this. So my cat just walked by and I got lots of lots of spillable material nice. over here. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to cut Derek Mason. He's also the least fun to play with any of these guys in Madden. <laughs> All right, and who are you starting? I'm going to start Torrey Holt. Um, he's the most dynamic of any of these receivers. And in terms of, like, starting versus benching, for me, starting is like this dude's going to be my clear-cut 
number one, and that's why I would pick Kerry Holt because Heinz Ward gives you more of a Swiss Army knife feel, which you can definitely use off the bench. But if I'm looking at a number one wide receiver, typically I'm not asking them to do things, um, you know, like some of these gadget type plays, whether it's an end around, which is how I'm assuming he scored most of his rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bring, get to bring Heinz Ward off the bench to give me some of those uh, some of those tough yards, maybe on some third down situations, and I need an extra pass catcher. Heinz Ward could be like my my security blanket there. Um, but for my every down, you know, we need a seventy yard touchdown here. Uh, who I'm throwing the hail mary to? That's going to be uh, Tory Holt. Mm-hmm. Also, the most fun to play with on Madden. Oh, definitely. <laughs> All right, Paul, who are you cutting? So the cut actually is harder than you think. Although this ended up going predictably, um, Derek Mason is kind of a forgotten receiver of that era, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was before the true receiver explosion, like in the 2010s. It was it was in the in between stages as the league transitioned, and you you had some players lighting it up, and I don't I, honestly like like Ryan said like Derek Mason kind of got the shaft. He didn't have the quarterbacks. He didn't have the consistency. He had Jeff Fisher as a coach. I mean, he had he had Air McNair for a while. He had Jeff Fisher as a coach. Do you understand that? Do, do I mean, you know what was, that's you know, like? Within a foot and a half of winning a Super Bowl. It, it, that's true. He went through so well, much. He and he Mike Jones. Numbers. And the biggest differentiator between the two, one is versatility, but they were very similar players. So you look at Heinz Ward was used in many aspects – they really kind of tailored parts of their offense around him. Where was that creative coaching for Derek Mason? It didn't exist. I don't know what he could have done. No, uh, you had you had freaking Aaron McNair and Eddie, and it, Eddie George. It's funny because I, I actually <laughs> remember this, and then I looked it up because I didn't want to be wrong. Um, and I don't know why. I, don't know, I was looking up something a couple years ago when I came across this. Um, Heinz Ward and Derek Mason actually ran the same 40 time. They were – Super similar style players. Uh, Heinz was a couple inches taller than him, and he had Ben Roethlisberger. I like to think that if positions were switched, Derek Mason could have done everything Heinz Ward could have done. The problem is... I mean, Heinz Ward had Cordell Stewart and Tommy Maddox before he had Big Ben. They weren't awful. But, but, but then he got Big Ben. And then he yeah. got Big Ben. Like, two championships. Cordell Stewart was not terrible. It wasn't great, he wasn't but terrible. serviceable. I would, I would take him over anyone the Titans had ever. Uh, Until Ryan Steve McNair? Steve, Steve McNair. McNair. Yeah. Steve McNair That's for a... a year and a half. No, I will take Steve McNair over Cordell Stewart. He yeah. had a couple good years. And Tommy like, Maddox. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't know. It's, you got to go with Hines because, I mean, he, he had the production. Uh, yards yards per catch, almost the exact same. He had way more touchdowns. It's probably because of the team he played for. He had a lot more versatility. It's probably because of the coaches he played for. But he proved it. And at the end of the day, if I'm taking two guys that look really similar, I'm going to go with a proven commodity. So I have to cut Derek Mason. All right. And so, by the way, you were talking between the two of them. I'm assuming you're starting to Torrey Holt's a no-brainer, dude. Are you kidding me? Torrey Holt was a complete package. The only knock on Terry Holt is he wasn't a big dude. But it didn't matter. He was awesome, dude. He was smooth in his routes. He was fast as shit. I mean, oh, he was awesome, honestly. Like, anyone that missed those Rams teams, like, everyone talks yeah. about Marshall Falk. Everyone talks about Kurt Warner. Um, Kurt Warner. And, and Torrey Holt, like, dude, he was a stud. If Torrey Holt played today, oh, my God. He'd have no, that, a $20 million, was, $25 million contract. 
that was a legit squad of your perfect number one with Tory, your perfect number two with Isaac Bruce. Yep. And a phenomenal running back, obviously, that can do so it that's, all. That's and so that's something that always impressed me about Tory too, is he put up these massive numbers in a stacked offense. And you say, oh, well, he had great talent around him. Yes, he did. But the numbers that he put up, not many players put up when they're surrounded by that kind of talent because the ball gets sheared around. When Marshall Falk's getting 30 touches a game and you have good second and third options to receive the ball, like – yeah, I think like he like he could have had some of those rushing touchdowns that Heinz Ward did, but like Paul said, you had Marshall Falk, yeah, so you like, don't what need the hell him. are you yeah, getting the ball what, to Torrey Holt for on the that, ground? That trickery is just not necessary. No. No, I Torrey Holt is sweet, like super sweet. And, and like Jerome Bettis is sweet too, but Marshall Falk is obviously a complete different type of running back than you know Jerome Bettis is. Dude, I just I just looked it up because I just I wanted to see. Marshall Falk was touching it three to four hundred times a year. <laughs> a year. So is that, that's, that's, between, that's between that that's that's including catches, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was he, he was, was very uh, much he was, he was on the cover of, too. He was on the cover of Madden too. Uh, yes, sir. Is it Madden 03, I think. Yes, it was Madden 03. Madden 03 is actually the game that like super got me into Madden. That was like the for I had a, for GameCube specifically. Like that game was the one that was like, yeah, this is it. This is life. All right, AJ. Last but I, definitely not least, who are you well, cutting? I mean, it it's hard to add anything to again what's been discussed. <laughs> it kind of happens week after week, right? But well, yeah, we're I, gonna start switching it up and switching making up the like, order for more, AJ. Yeah. In, in a in a certain like for like a split second, in my mind I thought about keeping Derek Mason, but then like, who do you replace him with? Um, you can't. I mean, when you look at, like Paul said, the proven commodity that Heinz, Heinz Ward is compared to Derek Mason, um, and then I don't think either of those two really kind of compete for a starting role over Torrey Holt, there's nothing There's nothing I can add to this conversation other than the fact that I'm starting Torrey, benching Heinz, and cutting Derek Mason. All right. So, I am in so, – as much as it pains me because Heinz Ward was my favorite player in the NFL for his entire career, um, something about – wide receivers that enjoy when an interception happens and they get to light up the defensive player with the ball or light him up on a block. Uh, I just, and the fact that you could pop this man as hard as you want. And Ray Lewis did many times and he'd pop it with a smile every damn time and jog back to the huddle. Uh, love me some Heinz war, but yeah, Tory Holt, what he brought to the table is just a little bit more special at that position yeah. than what Heinz Ward brought. But yeah. Heinz Ward did it all for you. Anything you needed him to do, he was doing it. And I love that from my football players. How do you feel about putting a surefire starter in this? Putting a what? Are you disappointed? You put a surefire starter in this. Like, no one's not going against... Do you Hall. understand? Okay, here's the thing. Go look at the wide receivers from 2010 and find me someone to replace them with. You could maybe say Isaac Bruce, but his numbers were dwarfed by what Hines and Derek Mason were doing at the same time. So it wasn't Isaac Bruce. You could look at Steve Matt Smith. put him in because Steve he would have started. wasn't going to work either. Then your other options now become Randy Moss. No. Terrell Owens. No. Like, that's not fair to the rest of these guys. You're talking about two of yeah. the greatest of all time. Marvin Starvin, Marvin. Mar- Marvin Harrison's career didn't cover the entire decade. Reggie Waynes didn't cover the entire decade. Chad Johnson didn't cover the entire decade. There were all these receivers that just didn't work. This was the closest I, I had could a, find. I had a great comp, but I'm pretty sure that was all 2010s. Trying um, to find someone that didn't start their no, career in 03 or something like that. 
and didn't end it well, in 07 what, or 08. What about Larry Fitz? These two good. Fitz, start, Fitz started in 03. That's, yeah. Oh, wow. He's not so, again, you're not person. getting someone who can who has spanned the entire decade. That's fair. In the it's, right amount. That makes it harder. I do – one thing if you're – now that I think about it, if you're torn between Derek Mason and Heinz oh, Ward, the, sep- about Joe Horn. the separator has to be one of them had a great cameo in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, so – and he's the only man to survive that shit. <laughs> was Heinz Ward really Heinz in that Ward. movie? He, yeah, he returned the kick. In the First Dark Knight. In the Dark Knight Rises, when the stadium's crumbling stadium behind him from the explosion underneath. When, he turns around and his jersey says Ward. On. I do not remember that scene in that movie. Yeah, really when Bane sweet. comes out to the football stadium and talks to everyone. I Blows do not up the remember field. that. I'm going to have to watch is, that now. The wrong terms, Ryan, like Joe Horn's career ended in 07. But see, so Matt, maybe for like the NFL stuff, you maybe need to trim it down from a decade, unless you're talking about quarterbacks. Because or don't or don't stick to a certain decade. Just be yeah. like career. Boom. Yeah, you know what I mean. Then, like I think that so. Might... Actually, let me look at this guy's stats real quick. Hang on, if we did careers for three these three guys, the the answers would be the same. No, that you would right. use different. You'd be able to <laughs> use just different saying. People. You're still gonna. But yeah, that's what like you. Excuse me. Maybe it's not like these receivers from this decade, but like these three receivers' careers that span roughly the same amount of time. So or, you could, you know, you what either got you what either got to lengthen, you either got to lengthen or shorten the time frame. If you ever do a five-year one, include Greg Jennings. If I do a five-year one, it'd be like Greg Jennings, Mike Wallace. <laughs> Ooh, Mike Wallace, a good one. That's a good one, actually. I like that. Ocho, uh, nah, Ocho left the field, actually. Can't yeah, Ocho Classico water, yeah. Missed, the, missed the last two years of the decade. Never mind. And, and maybe TJ Hushmanzada. Hushmanzada, uh, <laughs> man. All right, next. All right. So moving on. Let me get you guys the picture. So for this one, Paul, you're going to go first, then AJ, then Ryan. So, oh, yeah, sorry. This is not point guards. My bad. This is power forwards. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that. I was like, oh my God, did Rashad so, Lewis win a championship with the Heat? Did he catch one of those bullshit titles? I think he did. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, did you say bullshit all right. titles? Well, uh, for him, so him your power that. forwards <laughs> for 2000 to 01 season to 09 2010 season are Rashard <clears throat> Lewis, Rashid Wallace. And Antoine Jameson. Again, this was another hard one as far as trying to find three guys that would somehow be in the mix against each other when you're talking about some very different playing styles at a position that I have a question. Is that how you say his name? Who? Because that's not how he spells it, but it's all how I've always heard it pronounced. Yeah, it's Antoine. He should be cut. He should be cut on grounds of spelling his name like that. I thought it was well, Antoine. No, well, he, it's he didn't spell his yeah, name. Yeah, he, he, it, it, it's pronounced no, it's He could have changed it. It's not Antoine Jameson. Yeah, it's, it's Antoine no, Jameson. That's not true. Yes, it is true. I just looked it up. I just looked it up. It's Antoine. You looked up what? How to say his name? Yes, it's Antoine. He should be cut on those grounds. He, he sure did. He hopped sure. on the 2013 Heat bandwagon. I'm only oh, as sure God. is pro basketball references, so I don't know. But I yeah, trust he, him. He, he played 15 minutes, uh, yeah, about 14 minutes a game. All right. That's a little better Shut than that. No. Is this I real thought, I Wikipedia? thought he was like this oh, minutes a game. Apparently. I, I his apologize, parents, Paul. The, the hospital misspelled his apologize. name on his birth certificate? 
Wait, is that what happened? <laughs> this is what they're saying happened. That they spelled it A-N-T-W-A-N, and the hospital spelled it A-N-T-A-W-N. And they just kept Antoine it? Antoine became Anton. Well, when it's our signed birth certificate, that's just kind of what you're left with. No, you can legally change it. It's a lot huh. of work. I mean... All right, he gets a little bit of a slide then for that. No, but Dwayne Wade I mean, still he should always name... because he didn't spell his name. Like, Dwayne Wade is just like, Dwayne, what are you doing? Like, why does not come before A and Dwayne? I forgot that he got drafted by the Raptors. He he didn't have anything to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) So, out of his control. All right, so Richard Lewis from 2000 to 2010, two-time All-Star, one-time champ. Did you find out which team he co-wrote for that championship, Ryan? The Heat in 2013. All right, good for you. Uh, he, in this time period, he averaged just under 37 minutes per game for just over 18 points, two assists, and six rebounds. Shot just over 45% from the field and just over 39% from deep. And LeBron James and the Cavs know all about him. <laughs> that one year he led freaking Orlando to that uh, NBA title shot. He, he did not. Rasheed Wallace. Orlando. Yeah, oh yeah, from deep he was. That man put up buckets for Orlando that year. Rasheed Wallace at just over 33 minutes per game at 16 and a half points, two assists, just over seven rebounds, 40, just over 44% from the field, just under 34% from deep, four-time all-star, all-rookie team, one-time champ, we all know who. And Antoine Jameson at just under 38 minutes per game, averaged almost 20 and a half points, one and a half assists, just over eight rebounds per game, at just under 46% shooting and just under 35% from deep. Two-time All-Star, All-Rookie member, one-time sixth man of the year. And was so traded for say, who on draft night? Uh, he was traded for his teammate, I believe, Vince Carter. Yeah. What? Why would they? In back-to-back picks. Vince was picked fifth. <laughs> Anton was picked fourth. Yeah. And then they just swapped. Like, why would they not have? Whatever. Anyways. Sorry. I, I think there might have been a, a future pick mixed in there somewhere. Must have been. So I will say from doing this, you know, I was impressed with some of the numbers that I saw for Antoine Jameson. I, you know, I knew he was a decent player for a damn good long time, but I did not know he was 20 points per game consistently um, and eight rebounds a game. Pretty impressive. So for this one, Paul, you're going first. Who are you cutting? So this is a fantastic one. Like these players, it's a fantastic one. It really is. And this is going to come down to what people value. And I value the total package. (sighs) Name aside, this is not his fault. Not even his parents' fault. So he gets a pass on that. (laughs) But I still got to cut Antoine Jameson. Oh my goodness. Alrighty. Now, this is a hard decision. But I'm I'm thinking total body of work, right? So... I'm looking, and I I really believe that I'm being unbiased here, and I believe that I can back that up with the numbers, but you could argue that this is biased. I'm starting Rasheed Wallace. All right. <laughs> and I'm benching Rashard Lewis. Now, I, again, I want to say off the rip, this is a very good one, and all these yeah. players have good arguments for any order one through three, which is good because I know we're going to all – a lot of us are going to mix it up a little bit. But here's the thing. So Rasheed Wallace – I talk about total package, right? So mm-hmm. he wasn't – a prolific offensive player, right? But he was not a liability on offense. In fact, his per was actually higher than Richard Lewis's. 
And you look at Antoine Jameson, and he was a little bit better of a shooter, but like from deep by like what a percentage? Yeah, and, not much. But on more yeah. volume, right? Like he was more he he was relied on more for offense, which is fine. But Rasheed Wallace had a higher effective field goal percentage. Big stat that I like, and I think. What he brings defensively, and this is reflected in win shares because win shares per game, he laps the field, this field of three. What he brought defensively, and not just him defensively, but team defense, getting the team to play defense, not to mention the just unadulterated swagger that he brought to the court. I can't think of another guy I would want to send out there to embody everything I'm asking of my team. And if he didn't give such an effort on the defensive end, I think he could have easily eclipsed Jamison's offensive numbers. I think it's really a two-way thing, and I, I just think Rashid is the total package, and I love everything that he brought. I'm taking Rashard Lewis over Antoine Jamison because he was a 39% three-point shooter, and I value that. I, I got a four that can stroke it from almost 40% from deep. That's, that's good. That's that's not as long as he's not a complete liability on the defensive end. You're giving me those numbers from deep. You're shooting 80% from the line, and he was a pretty darn good player in in his own right. And no, again, he was not relied on to put up gaudy numbers his entire career like Antoine Jameson. But well, gaudy in this frame, not gaudy compared to the greats of our era. But I mean, he had uh, he topped. He had 20 couple 20 point seasons, 22 points a game a couple seasons like. He, he was no – it's not like he was a sixth man, ironically, which Antoine Jameson won sixth man of the year. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting Rashid, I'm benching Rashard Lewis, and I'm cutting Antoine Jameson. All right, AJ, who are you cutting? Um, I, I don't think Paul's wrong in his analysis. Um, I, I look at these numbers. I, I think Paul hit it on the head. It's like what do you value most? And I look at the position of a power forward and a four. Um, I think Paul's point's well made about Richard Lewis being able to hit from three, but maybe I don't value that as highly from a four. Um, so I actually am cutting Richard Lewis. Um, right. Part of that, too, let me explain, too, before anybody rolls their eyes at me. Like, oh, part of that fine. too. Any one through three I'm okay with, honestly. Yeah, when we, when we talked a few weeks ago about our favorite team that never won anything, Mine was the UNC Tar Heels that featured mm-hmm. Vince Carter and Anton Jameson. So there's a bit of nostalgia there, too, for uh, Jameson. But then I look at these numbers, and I think, like, man, like he actually was was a pretty good start. Um, yeah. You know, like, 20, if he's giving me 20 points a game, and I don't know what that average was mm-hmm. when he was the sixth man of the year, but I'm assuming it was acceptable. Uh, he's also passing the ball – on the same level that these other two are. He's grabbing more rebounds than the other, about a rebound more than the other two. Um, he's still, you know, shooting the ball pretty well, and he can hit from three at about a 35% clip. So I'm probably actually starting Anton, but then bringing Rashard, uh, uh, Rashid off the bench, like, often. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and getting a good rotation going with those yeah. two. <laughs> Uh, at, like getting Rashid on the court as much as I can while still keeping Anton or Antoine. Anton, you getting twenty one minutes. Rashid, you getting nineteen. <laughs> yeah, like whatever I can do to kind of keep that balance going and and the swagger. And to me, this conversation is very hair splitting 
It is. It is. Oh, yeah. Matt did a much better job on this one. <laughs> Thanks. All right, Ryan, who you cutting? Well, I'm going to cut Big Antoine. Although, shout out, like, he averaged basically 25 and 9 one year in Golden State. They were terrible, mm-hmm. but that's that's pretty incredible to uh, to put up only your third year in the league. And I didn't know he was balling like that. But, um, but again, the team was really bad, but you got to see him be like an actual – number number one option um and none of these guys really missed uh, a ton of games either because that's another thing i looked up to see if that would sway my opinion one way or another and they were all pretty uh pretty reliable for the most part except for it looks like the first couple years of antoine's career um i don't know if he was hurt or if they just didn't uh, you know play him a lot but he is under 50 games in those years and then basically 82 for three straight years and then um 68, 82, 70, 79. So a very consistent, um, you know, uh, available player for you. But with that being said, he is cut, although I did want to recognize the, the 25 and 9 that he was putting up. Because, again, that's, that's pretty wild. All right. And who are you starting? I'm going to start Rashid. He gives you by far the most on the defensive end. And I think he's probably the most unselfish out of all of these players. He, you know, Rip Hamilton actually just talked about it on the All the Smoke podcast, is when Rashid came, you already saw what Rashid was as a number one on a really good team, which was the Trailblazers. And then he obviously, uh, well, he went to the Hawks for, for uh, a hot minute. And then a he game. had uh, a game. <laughs> and then he got traded to Detroit, where, you know, he really sacrificed a lot to be um, one of the key cogs on the defensive end, along with Ben Wallace, but also give them. Um, that really extra sense of passing that they needed because other than Chauncey, nobody on the team had like really good, you know, vision um, or, or could really pass the ball. So the entire offense was basically working through Chauncey. And then they got Rashid who could pass out the post. And then if you didn't double team him in the post, well, you know, could make you pay there. And if, you, if you're building a team that way, um, I think Rashid is – by far the best player to to have and again he just gives you the the absolute most on the defensive end and i know he's going to sacrifice the most for the team in general and then i'm benching mr richard lewis one of the differences between him and antoine is richard is two inches taller he's 6'10 as opposed to 6'8 which is both um you know big uh and they both have some position versatility to them richard could play the three um or the four but he could you know he could play the three which is where you'd probably get your biggest advantage with them it's like a really you know kind of poor man's kevin durant you have the 6'10 small forward who can just rise up and shoot over you and you really can't do anything at all about it and then we got the cmb you know number two on a pretty good team in uh, seattle when ray allen was there but he, I don't think he could lead a team like Rasheed Wallace could, and I don't know that he was unselfish to the uh, to the level that Rasheed Wallace was. So for me, uh, initially when I made this list, it was Rashard Lewis, it was Rasheed Wallace, and then it was Jermaine O'Neal. And I'm going off of you know lists that I find that break down position. And the entire time I'm doing this with Jermaine O'Neal, I'm like Jermaine O'Neal is a center. Like this man's not a power forward. I don't care that you can claim him as both. I only think of Jermaine uh, O'Neal Jeff as Foster. a center, and I'm like, this is not going to work. So, you know, I went, I went looking for, you know, a, a makeup, and so I'll throw Antoine James in here. Why not? And I started pulling up his numbers, and like, 
It's like, Jesus. Like, I did not know this man was going to be putting up these kind of numbers. And I started thinking, like, why am I not remembering Antoine Jameson the way I'm remembering Rasheed Wallace and Richard Lewis? Now, with Wallace, obviously, he went to the Pistons, but I loved this man from North Carolina. And, you know, watched him in Portland. And, obviously, my Lakers went up against him a few different times in the playoffs. Um, But there are playoff memories for me that come with Rasheed Wallace and Richard Lewis. And I don't have any playoff memories whatsoever for Antoine Jameson. So that, to me, was, okay, I'm cutting Antoine right off of that bat. And then I started thinking about the, the memories that I do have with these guys and what they did when it starts to really count more. And... If you had said that Richard Lewis was coming to the Pistons in 0304, would would it have been that big of a deal? I honestly don't think so. But when I heard Rasheed Wallace was joining the team, I was ecstatic. I thought this is exactly what we need for this team. And Ryan, you hit it right on the head. You're looking at these three guys and saying, who do you want defensively? It's going to be Rasheed Wallace. And it's very telling that Ben Wallace did not win a single defensive player of the year award without Rasheed Wallace by his side. He didn't do it in Chicago. He did it always in Detroit. That's that and team Rasheed defense Wallace, I talked about, baby. Yeah. yeah Rasheed right, Wallace 100%. was very much on the ball defender. Ben was a lot of help did, and did. got a lot of blocks out of that. Ben Wallace obviously did his own thing as well, of course. I'm not saying he didn't. But Rasheed Wallace defensively and his turnaround jumper is one of the prettiest shots while also being the ugliest I've ever seen, where it's just damn near unblockable because his hands are so damn high from the get-go, and he's seven foot. So good luck blocking that turnaround jumper. Just what he brings overall to the team, I'm starting Rasheed, I'm benching Rashard, and I'm cutting Antoine Jameson. How much I mean, like discredit does Jameson get though? Because he was on some. He was, and he was on some. I, I, I agree. And I, understand, I, mean, I definitely some, understand that. Some he's me- moved mediocre. A bit. He was in well, Houston Wizards for a little while as well. With Gilbert Arenas. All right, and we're moving on to the final one. This should be shortstops, not third baseman. <laughs> yes, sorry, forgot to change that as well. Look, man, <laughs> there's a lot going on over here. So, uh, yes. 2000s shortstops, and the stats are only from 2000 to 2009. And I reached out. I got some outside help on this one um, because I didn't want to give a two obvious ones and an obvious cut like I kind of did last week. So I reached out to AJ for this one, and we went through some names, and he gave me the three names. So when you see an obvious cut, it ain't my fault. Uh, So there's not really an obvious cut. I'm not saying I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying if you do, it ain't my fault. So you can thank AJ for this one. I gave him some names to pick from. He picked these ones after we had some deliberation because God, again, the whole 10 year thing, it's kind of hard to find guys playing in the same time period. And actually that reminds me, Jimmy Rollins is on this list. Jimmy Rollins, First year in the league, which is not considered his rookie year, was 2000. So I actually didn't count it for Rollins' numbers. So Rollins' numbers are over a nine-year period from 01 to 09. Yeah. You're just gonna have to deal with it. He didn't hit the uh, he didn't hit the rookie threshold in 2000. Yeah. So which I think is like 156 at bats or something like that. So your 2000s shortstops are Carlos Guillen, played for the Tigers, Edgar Renteria. Played for the Tigers. Jimmy Rollins did not play for the Tigers. Carlos Guillen, in this 10-year period, had just over 1,200 hits for a 284 average, a 356 on base, and a 439 slugging, 114 home runs, 605 RBIs, and a 965 fielding percentage, while missing 466 games in this decade, 
he became a three-time All-Star in this period. And before you bitch, Paul, that war thing is harder than I thought if I got to start doing math on how many games these guys miss and then start putting that in and trying to figure out their per-game war. You don't so. have to do how much they missed. You just, it has their games listed. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah, the, the way that he explained it last week actually did make sense. It would account for the games that they missed. All right. Well, out of their wars overall, Carlos Guillen had the lowest out of the three. Edgar Renteria, in this 10-year period, had almost 1,600 hits for a 288 average, a 346 on base, and a 412 slugging for 109 home runs, 688 RBIs, a 970 fielding percentage, missed only 181 games in this period, was a five-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, three-time Silver Slugger, two-time champ, and a World Series MVP. And Jimmy Rollins, in a nine-year period, had just over 1,600 hits for a 273 average, a 329 on base, 438 slugging, 146 home runs, 616 RBIs. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Jimmy Rollins a leadoff man? Um... Yeah, he probably hit one or two. Uh, I'm almost positive he was a leadoff man for a lot of his career. Howard would have been their three hitter. Yeah, so Chase Utley RBIs, was probably their two hitter, so he was probably their one hitter. Yeah, that's a yeah good so ass RBIs team. are fewer and far between for the leadoff man. Well, they won a World Series in 07 and was 08, that, I believe. They had um, uh, they had Doc what's his Holiday. Name? Pitcher. Yeah, Holiday pitched for him too. That was Who a sweet team. I love those Philly teams. A no hitter in the CS in the postseason, or the DS. yeah. And he pitched in the postseason. And he, didn't he pitch a perfect game the same year, or am I mistaken? Uh, I think that you might actually be correct. I can't remember off the top of my head, though. Dude, he had such a tragic story. Let's not get into that. Anyway, Jimmy Rollins was a 984 fielder, four-time All-Star, Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glover, an MVP, and a one-time champ, and only missed 66 games in this nine-year period. So, for this one, Ryan's going first. Yeah. All right. All right. Ryan, who are you cutting? Uh, I probably cut Gian, and I loved him as a Tiger, but he missed almost 500 games in, you know, 10 years, which is a lot. Is that like three seasons worth? Um, it's just it's, it's way, way too many games to, you know, to not be playing. Um, and I know he yeah, probably he's basically gives you paying like, about 115 per year, but yeah. still put up the numbers that he put up. So he did, Don't and he is the 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 best power um, out of any of these guys, especially considering the games missed. But um, for my shortstop, I'm not really looking for uh, a whole a whole lot of a whole lot of power in that bat. It's nice to have always, but there are you know other things I'm going to be working with or looking for mm-hmm. um, if I'm building a shortstop, and availability is one of them. And uh, a ton of power is not. And then I think uh, I'll probably end up starting Jimmy Rollins. I love the fact that he does have an MVP and he has the highest fielding percentage um, and the most gold gloves out of any of these gentlemen. And he only missed 66 games in 10 years, which is like, what, six games a year. And you figure some of that isn't even for injury. It's, uh, you know, some of it could just be like for maintenance. Um, And it's pretty, pretty incredible what, just what he was able to do. And I always loved Rollins anyway, back when I was more um, into baseball in, you know, is the, the later part of 2010s to the earlier part of, I'm sorry, the later part of the 2000s to the early parts of the 2010s. Jimmy Rollins was always a guy that, uh, that stuck out to me 
and that I always rooted for. And if he's going to be there every day and he's, you know, not going to let any uh, any balls pass him and give you some, you know, pretty decent power numbers still, uh, that's that's my guy. All right, so you bench an Edgar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Big Eddie. Whoops. All right, uh, Paul, who are you cutting? So you did a good job with this one, but on second look, it's actually pretty – easy for me um it's it's an the the cut is the easiest um edgar actually is a clear tier below jimmy rollins and carlos guillen um you can talk about games played and that's fantastic why are you laughing no i'll tell you afterwards all right aj knows (laughs) i don't like it that both of you know why he's laughing and i don't know what matt pull up your text messages and just read it to him just read it to him Just read it to him before he goes. Yeah, do it. Let's go. So, (laughs) I literally said, I'm tempted to put Guillen in here just because I know Paul will not cut him because he was a tiger. (laughs) It's nothing to do with him being a tiger. I actually didn't. I liked him more in retrospect. So, in that era of my Tigers fandom, I was more of a fan. And I was a Pudge guy. I was a Verlander guy. You know, I was... Guillen was kind of just there. I was actually – I like Polanco a lot just because he was my grandpa's favorite player, and we went to a ton of games back then. Um, Guillen was – Polanco. Oh, Guillen man. Was said he was been... the best first baseman of the 2000s. I did the, not – Yeah, I would agree with that. I did not respect Guillen's career until, at nearly as much as he deserved until later I until I knew better. Because I, I, I was young. Paul. I was young, and I was young in my fandom. So – if you really dig into it, first of all, Guillen had by far the best bat of these three players. Like, I, I wouldn't even say that it's relatively close, especially if you like OPS+. Plus, and then it's super not close. Um, if you look at War, which is a stat that I know AJ respects, I did the per-game numbers since Matt wouldn't do the per-game numbers. Uh, Carlos Guillen actually comes in number one of all these players, which surprised me. If I had to guess, I would have think that Jimmy Rollins would have comfortably held the number one spot in that. Rollins, there's two L's. Ah, oh, whatever, man. Wait. No. That's yes. not how that works. It's that's the wrong. opposite of how that's, that's definitely how it works. No, that's false. In if English, you took the INS now, off, there it are would be a million Anyways, we're not exceptions. talking to me. No, this is important because he's bringing falsehoods Just like of it's grammar Scott Rowland, not Scott Rowland. Grammatical falsehoods in here. Yeah, Scott Rowland's got one L. When there are two consonants, the rule, the general rule, is that the vowel is short. So don't come in here with like that. Now, I understand that that's not the case here because there's a million exceptions to everything. And God knows that Kenny that's even American Kenny name. Galladay. But when there are two consonants doubled like that, it is usually a short vowel sound. So you can suck off with that bad English. Anyway, Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yes, very important. Um, no, it's just he, he said he could have just corrected me, but he had to have Lonzo a false Ball, reason. Not Lonzo Bale. Had to have a false I'm, reason. I'm thinking of all the words right now with two letters back to back like that, and every time it's the uh, it's mm-hmm. the softer version of the vowel. Yes, soft, short. Yeah, Rollins. I said it's Rollins. soft. Rollins is not. You said I... Rollins. Did I? You did say yeah. You said Rollins. Oh, like I misspoke. My bad. So thank you. <laughs> my bad. Reaffirming what I already knew. About I thought life. I said Rollins. Uh, my no, bad. You all said right. Rollins. Oh, that's all right. Uh, fruity and slip. Moving on. Um, I thought I really thought that he would have had the better per game WAR numbers because I thought, and again, back then, 
my fandom it was more of a fan, less uh, analyzing. And I thought he had the better defense. He was certainly considered the better defender, right? He had four gold gloves. Carlos Guillen had none. But mm-hmm. that's where Guillen's superior back comes into play. Because I always look at total package, right? Um, well, they're I, also on other sides. Rollins is in the NL and Guillen's in the AL. I am but, going... But you also go ahead and throw in the fact that Rollins is a leadoff hitter and Guillen probably never hit above five. Maybe hit two. But you know what I'm saying? Maybe, like, I was that say, factors maybe hit into two. It. Yeah. But so is that... I mean, you that can't knock Guillen for that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying when you talk about, like, you know, the factors that go into it, none of these guys. It, it's honestly, you know it's hard for me to pick a starter here. It's very hard. And it's actually easy for me to cast away the bias for reasons that I've already mentioned. It, it is I, legitimately so. Going into this, I thought it was going to be easy. Rollins, Guillen, Renteria in that order. Looking at the numbers and thinking back more, it, you almost want to put Guillen and then you look at Rollins played 2,200 MLB games. Now, not in this time frame, but even right. in this time frame, he missed vastly less baseball. And I don't – the injury thing, I don't like to get into too much, but when you're really trying to split hairs here, when you take a guy that played that many more games and was available that more often, and then you look at the accolades. Now, I don't think Guillen, during his playing days, got the respect he deserved. He was a three-time All-Star, and that's, that's it. Rollins, Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glove. He won a World Series. He won MVP. He was on those awesome Phillies teams that I loved even. He got all the accolades he deserved for good reason. In part probably because he was available and played a shit ton of games. So I- I'm going to start Rollins. I'm going to I'm gonna bench Guillen. It's close. It's a good discussion. And to me, Renteria, like, he wasn't a bad inclusion. But when you take a second look at these numbers, I don't think he belongs. Exact word for word. Dang, dot, dot, dot. My gut says keep Guillen to test Paul's homerism. <laughs> but, well, I mean, he... he AJ. Well, yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, like, I said that tongue-in-cheek, and, and I believe... I, I knew I knew if we included Carlos Guillen, like, there would be the, the homer tug a little bit. I'm not saying that you're a full-blown homer, but I'm saying that there's a nostalgia factor. The same I am, reason why... It's the same reason why I picked Anton Jameson in the last discussion. There is a little bit like of nostalgia that goes into the analysis a little bit. But, Paul, I think that you also brought a very good case for why you would keep Guillen over Renteria. I so, mean, I think there's a very good argument you could start Guillen. I, I, I'd, I'd push back on that a little bit. Um, and <clears throat> I'll give you my, my reasoning. Like... I'll be honest with you. When I looked at the numbers, I did not see the numbers before you guys did. He just gave me a list of names. So I was like picking names and helping him pick names based on what I remembered about their career. I did not look at any of these numbers before he sent me this picture. So let's be very clear about that. Um, When I saw the picture for the first time, and, you know, I think Ryan brings up a very good point about the fact that Guillen missed almost 500 games in a 10-year span, which is a lot of games. His but best then 10 I think, years, too. Right. But then I think if you if you were to be on the flip side of that and say that what would his career have been like if he was available for 500 games? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 
that we we would never know and it's completely hypothetical so i don't think you make a decision based on that where i would push back on you a little bit paul is this his batting average is good he's a switch hitter which i think brings a dynamic that is important he also had a pretty decent ob uh, on base percentage and a obviously a pretty good slugging percentage given that he had 114 home runs um while missing 500 games his fielding percentage is a little bit lower, but I think that a lot of that goes into the fact that he also was not the athlete that these two were. Whether that goes into the fact that he was injured because of the games that he missed or what, but Renteria and Rollins are obviously the superior defensive players. Guillen was never a flashy player, which is why I think he kind of gets lost a little bit in... He was steady um, Eddie, man. He, he, that's a, that was the exact phrase I was going to use. He is the cornerstone, not your prototypical shortstop who's normally the star of the team, um, but he was solid, great up the middle, and provided a good bat for a team that was one of the best in the league at Can the time. Can I add a little something real quick? Okay. Just something that I – and I don't know how much you value it, and the sample size is not massive, but I think it's kind of enough. So as most players do, both Rollins and Renteria's postseason stats dipped from the regular season. And Guillen took his to another level. I mean, like, really another level in the postseason. And I, I think that matters. I, I think that matters too. I But what I also appreciated about Guillen – uh, and I'll get to my cut and all that here in a minute. But what I appreciated about Guillen, too, is he was one of those silent leaders, right? Like when Jared Weaver is giving them problems and he just bombs one to right field and then just stares and looks at it and gets Jared completely off his game, like that 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 sets the tone for your ball club from somebody you don't expect to set the tone. So in that sense, I think Renteria was a product of um, – kind of his system and his environment. He's a two-time world champ that I think both came from the Florida Marlins, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, very No, Edgar, I think one of them was the Cardinals. Okay, yeah, Florida Marlins, and then he went to the Cardinals, and then he came to the Tigers later. So, again, very solid player. Um, I think that for all the reasons that Paul named analytically, I think I would cut Renteria. Um you know, I understand that Guillen is probably not available as much. Obviously, that's clear. Um, but I'm not starting Guillen, and I don't really think there's as much of a case to make as a starter over Rollins that Paul seems to think that there might be. Um, just for the fact that Rollins brings the dynamics as far as him being a leadoff hitter, they're both switch hitters, and um, Rollins gives you that added athleticism with a better glove um, and you know, I'm not going to say more pop because we don't know what Guillen's numbers would have been, but Rollins was just, I think, a little bit more of a dynamic shortstop-type player. Um, and Guillen would be that steady Eddie guy that you could bring in and play third base as a defensive replacement. He could play second base as a defensive replacement, give you a switch hitting option off the bench. Um, so I'd start Rollins, I'd bench Guillen, and I'd cut Renteria. So I want to correct myself here, actually. His two World Series came 97 with Florida, and 2010 was San Francisco. So he Renteria? Yeah. So he didn't win in this time frame. No, his two but. World Series came afterwards. My fault. So I'm I'm assuming the MVP was in 97. 
No, the MVP was in 02. Uh, no, sorry. What? Uh, the MVP... The World Series MVP. No, he didn't MVP. win MVP. Hang on, sorry. No, the World, World Series, Series MVP. MVP. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably 97 then. I'm Who was that with again? 97 Florida. was with uh, with Florida, and 2010 Florida. was with yeah. San Francisco. So he did not win with the Cardinals. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, so these these two accolades, I should have what? not have included them. What what okay, Tiger well. shortstop would you rather have, Guillen or Peralta? Say that again. What Tiger shortstop would you rather have, Guillen or Peralta? Well, Peralta Guillen. was nothing without his PEDs, so. Well, yeah, but Peralta, Peralta should have postseason. Peralta should have always been a third baseman. I, just I was, I don't being, know. I just remember him being he was just, out in the playoffs, and like when everyone else was shitting the bed, Peralta was tearing the cover off. I, I'm just very jaded, jaded, Jesus, jaded. I was very jaded. Yeah, uh, by, he's made out of clay. By the way, everything kind of went down. Guillen has one of the coolest like stare down bat flips ever. He didn't really flip the bat; he tossed it. But he hit it off. Who was that? Jared Weaver, who he hit the home run off of, and then just. Yeah, I referenced that. Yeah, but I think the the best thing about Johnny I'm Peralta sorry, was, is it, uh, it I was, got us. I was not at the computer. My bad. Oh, the best thing that about Johnny Peralta is it eventually netted us Jose Iglesias. And whatever your feelings on Jose Iglesias are, offensively. He's one of the best shortstops that we've seen in a long time. Where the old oh, English yeah. D, man. That, um, uh, I mean, that, I loved him. You know, that, that, I, that I, play I, that I he had, like, like his first year here. That was like the top defensive play all year for baseball. Yeah, and and you got to remember that like Jose Iglesias too. Like when we traded for him, he was around a three hundred hitter. So what that says about the Tigers and their development and Lloyd McClendon as a hitting coach? He hit like didn't he hit like three twenty six his first year here or something? We he hit from, well we from Boston, right? But then, yeah, but I remember being in Boston. They were already talking about his, you know, his offensive, you know, lacking capabilities. Yeah, I, I mean, he's not he's not an offensive threat. Let's be very clear. He that, was though. He could I, have no. He he is your prototypical like down. slap the ball around the field. Maybe like if he would have learned to to use the gaps to his advantage instead of trying to pull everything. Jose Iglesias would have not been searching for a team over the last couple of years. So, and so we, hold on. So I just, I just want. Yeah, he was three thirty in Boston the year that he got traded. And he, he was three. His, his first year, which he only played ten games, so he actually had six plate appearances. So we're gonna throw that out. That one doesn't count. Um, second season no. Boston, he barely, also barely played, did nothing. First season up in Boston is like really up, like for the whole year. Is when he got traded to the Tigers. He was hitting 330 when he got traded. Yeah, he Matt just said that. He had 303 right. for the year. But, right. And that's why uh, they were fine to trade him because trade him while he's hot. Yeah. His because first, they were not expecting him I, to keep up that rate. His I, first full season right. in Detroit, he hit 300 for the I whole year. I do run. remember, though, when they traded for him, it was definitely more like people were talking about this dude's a defensive, maybe yeah. all timer. And like the offense could get there, they didn't know. But. Look, if if, if Jose on, like, if Jose radio, Iglesias, anyone saying like, oh, they got, yeah, you know, if he could have maintained that two eighty to three hundred range with the defense that he played, especially because he was never going to hit in our lineup one or two. He might have been the two hitter, but that bat at the bottom of the lineup for so our sweet team is a nine hitter, man. Huh? He's sweet as a nine hitter. That you're you're making the point that I was making. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, and but imagine having 280 or 300 from your eight or nine guy in that lineup. If he could have maintained that, 
Detroit wouldn't have been looking to ship him off the last couple of years, and then he but, wouldn't have like bounced around to try to find a team and see, ultimately just, ended I, up in I Cincinnati. I blame the Tigers so much. So Iglesias is never going to give you a lot of I pop like or any slugging at all, right? I love I, him. I, agree I love him. I never but, wanted people to run him out. So his first two years in the majors, his first two years, he hit 300 in both of them. Yeah. His first two full years in the majors, he had 300 in both of them. If you can do that, I do not care what your limitations are. If you are capable of doing that for two full years, you are not a lost cause on offense. And his defense more than makes up for it. So the la- then he had a couple years of being kind of trash, like 250, 260 hitter, right? right. With the goddamn Brad Ausmus Tigers that were going nowhere. Like, I don't right. fault him for in that situation. I mean, he seems, how, and like, how, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but it seems like even if he did get like 270 and you might want him a little bit higher, like when he gets on base, it seems like he's pretty fast and he can swipe a couple bags for For him. sure, and he's, yeah, he's a good but, player, man. But here was the thing with Iglesias. If you noticed his swing when he got to the Tigers, bigger ballpark, his swing got longer instead of short and compact to the ball, which fit his body type a lot better. He tried to pull a lot of baseballs in Comerica, which he should not have been doing at his size. He should have been taking a pay. He if 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 Jose, if Jose Iglesias truly wanted to be like that top tier guy, he should have shadowed Miguel Cabrera everywhere he went, including batting practice, and learn how to shoot that right center field gap. Because if he could have hit that consistently, that dude would have been in discussions for multitudes of awards. I also hate the fact that he wore number one because it should have been retired a long time ago. Who was number one? Lou Whitaker. Gotcha. It should have been retired. I agree. Yeah, I, definitely should have gone the route of Willie Mays Hayes. I, I just I can't follow Iglesias on the for not, run. not putting up numbers. But, I mean, still, centers. then, he didn't have, like, elite speed. He wasn't, like, a like a burner, but, I mean, he was pretty athletic to be able to make the plays that he made. And look at, look at his first year. I did read a very interesting article about him, though, that, like, as flashy as he is on defense, if the ball's on the backhand, he was not a very great shortstop. He didn't make a lot of plays on the backhand. They were all going to the like he side. had Like he had to get in front of it? Yeah, which limits his range a lot, yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. There, there was a, uh, an article by Fangraphs that said, you know, Jose Iglesias is really good except for when he has to go to the backhand. <laughs> And I was like, hmm, very interesting. And it's just like me in tennis. Which is probably why he never won a gold glove. And ping pong. I'm probably benching Carlos Guillen um, for the fact that, AJ, what you mentioned about the fact that you can throw him a third, you can throw him a second, you can throw him in the outfield. He's going to produce. Throw him a uh, first. And as, as long as he's able to stay on the field. Um, and Edgar Renteria had a nice long career. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's my cut in this one. Is Desmond Young still the Tigers' postseason home run leader? Demetri Young? No, it was Desmond. Desmond Young? His name was Demetri Young. No, there's a was who was the the black left fielder we had? Not Demetri. He was on the good teams. Oh no, it wasn't. It didn't begin. I don't think it began with a D. Or was it, it Delman was, Young? Delman. Delman. Young. Delman, Delman yeah, Young, yeah, yeah, yeah. Delman Young, yeah. I forgot about him. Kept thinking about Dimitri. No, he was he was like the Maglio Ordonez years and stuff. He was money. Yeah, yeah he was. All right, so that ends SBC. We move on to our final game of tonight, one or the other, and this time it's one or the other or the other. So 
I gave it to y'all last week. Well, it was actually only Thursday, so Thursday. I honestly had, forgot that you did that. I don't even remember what it is about. So. You have had half a week to think about this, AJ. Shame on you. And I have not thought about it once. So because I honestly, we hung up on the other night, and oh, I forgot I, you had I, mentioned I, it. I think Delman and Dimitri are brothers. Plot they is. are. Hey, look at that. So. And Ryan, actually, I think your stuff cut out and you missed this whole point when I brought it up last week anyway. So the only one who actually had time to work on this, if he did, was Paul, and I doubt that happened. So whose career would you rather have? Would you rather have a career like Robert Ory or Steve Kerr, where you win multiple titles, at least one hand's worth, but you're never anywhere near the man on the team as far as the pecking order? Would you rather have a career like Joe Dumars, where you have won multiple titles, not as many as some, but more than others. You are a finals MVP. You are definitely more integral in your team's success, but you're not on anyone's goat list for your position. Or would you rather have a career like a Charles Barkley or a Carl Malone, where you don't have any titles, you've won an MVP, a league MVP, and you're always in the conversation for one of the greatest at your position? Well... Oh, are we including to... career earnings in this? <laughs> so Paul asked this last week. I, I remember him asking. I can't remember what we decided. If you want to, go ahead. I don't really have a rule on this as far well, as... What about post-playing you know, career? I, you know what? Yes, because look, you, you know, as part of your career comes your pay. Right. And if you are one of the best, you would think you got paid more for being one of the best. Okay. So yes, if you want, I do, I do not have any of these players' career earnings in front of me. They are really just examples. I just stole basketball ones. You can you know you can equivalent baseball and you can or football whatever uh, to these same positions, but it's one or the other. Which career would you like to have? So, so Ryan, I think it's really hard to actually, actually use, open discussion. Never mind. I think it's really hard to use financial earnings just because different eras, right? Like. You put Joe Dumars kind of in that second tier, but he earned thirty million less than Robert Ory did. Right. Well, yeah. So he, that might be a a, a a difficult thing to to kind of focus on. Uh, well, it's not specifically between those players. Right. No, I know. It's just, I, it's I just understand the, that the position. So those you can take it from any era. Right. I'm trying to I'm trying to think who would be. Like uh, and like, Gil- like Gilbert Ory's career. Ori made ten million more than Barkley did. But if you yeah, were to say like, I bet Barkley's use... made that up at TNT. Oh, I'm sure he has too. I, I, I guess I'll start the discussion right. Um, I think for me, kind of my philosophy is always like, if I'm gonna do something, I want to do it with excellence and be like the top of the uh kind of do the best I can to reach the highest heights. So I think I would kind of like, I think I would choose to be in that top tier, even though I know that that career comes with a lot of, uh, a lot of extracurricular issues and problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, I, I feel like if you're going to do something, you should do it with excellence. That's not to say Dumars and all them didn't. Um, but I just, I kind of, I, I like that, the idea of being like the guy and and i don't mean to sound like a, a prick when i say that i just like i just kind of assume leadership roles and when i get to team situations and so i kind of like look 
that's just a personal philosophy that I've kind of always lived by. So I think I would kind of choose the top tier. Though I think the bottom two tiers are probably more enjoyable to live. <laughs> so you're a masochist. I mean, I, in, I mean, I, I'm not. Like he had a lot of fun. To be honest with you, Paul, like that's not a, an unfair description. Like I think I I do take on probably more personally, just even in my own life, not even hypothetically talking about sports, to get the job done right, as opposed to, you know, just sitting back and letting somebody else handle it. So, yeah, you're probably right about that. So I think this question has a lot of nuance involved, and it's a lot of pers- It's kind of a personality question too. But I I had originally brought up the earnings question because if you don't account earnings into it, it's really cut and dry. If you do account earnings into it, in we're just going to assume that the better the player you are, the more money you make. Um, obviously, accounting for error, blah blah blah, etc. etc. It's still not that hard of a question for me. So, especially in today's sporting world, even garbage players make bank. Yeah. And middling players on high-achieving teams super make bank, especially if you're a key part of it. I mean, look at perfect example is like a Draymond Green. Get the like, do you want to be higher. a Draymond Green or do you want to be a Carmelo Anthony for your career? And I'm not a big Draymond fan, but to give me a Draymond's career, right? Like, so first of all, no matter how much money you make, you cannot buy respect. It's impossible. And we can point to a gazillion examples of that. You can't buy people's respect. You can buy fake, a lot of fake friends, but you can't buy respect. And when you get to that level where you are at the top of your game being compared against all these other great players, rings enter the conversation 100% of the time. Whether they should or shouldn't is irrelevant. They always enter it. And you can't ever buy that title. No matter how good you were, no matter how many MVPs you won, no matter how much money you made in your career, you can't buy a different discussion around that. I mean, look at LeBron and Jordan. If you took rings out of the discussion, if wins did not matter, people would laugh you out of the room if you ever said MJ was better than LeBron. But we know that's not how it goes. Because winning matters so much to perception. So if you get to be a key part of winning a lot, you still make a ton of money to have a wildly comfortable life. Hell, if you have any business savvy and know how to invest your money, you might end up with more money than some of those top-tier players that had the much bigger contracts and never won anything. You don't have to toil in obscurity, so you'll always have a big part of people's hearts from those teams that you won with. Like, if you look back to those Pistons teams, right? In the not if you're mid-aughts Pistons teams, and we won a title. No, not 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 even Dumars. I'm talking like, like a Rip Hamilton, someone like that, right? So... They never got wild acclaim at their position, but they will always have a special place in the hearts of the fans of that team because they were part of a title team. I mean, like, that stuff, it does matter. And the flip side, you could be a Steve Kerr and win a million titles and still get no respect, even though Steve Kerr is a player. I think Steve Kerr is one of the most underrated players ever and one of the most overrated coaches ever. Very weird how his <laughs> entire career has worked out. He's probably going to make more as a coach than he did as a player too. Uh, but yeah, you after you win a couple titles, if you aren't the guy, 
and you aren't chasing history, and you aren't chasing GOAT status, I do think you start to see diminishing returns on them, for sure. And if you can give me more money and being more of a key player and to still win some titles and still be relevant and still be a key part of an era, I will take that middle ground 100 times out of 100. Yeah. I, I just think it's the best spot to be. I, I, and, and again, like it's great to be great, but the problem is you don't get the respect for how great you really were without the rings. Yeah, that's Is it fair. right? No. That, it's uh, not yeah. right. But if you don't get the risk, you talk about you want to get to the top of your profession, no one considers you at the top if you didn't win the rings. Yeah. So it's like pointless. So let me be a key contributor on a couple – get a couple rings and retire on my millions anyway. Like, I mean I think even if you don't win the rings, if you have a career like Barkley against a career like Dumars, you still get more respect as Barkley than you do as Dumars. I would agree with that. Like nobody, really nobody outside of Detroit, and because of what he ended as as a GM, even Detroit kind of shafts Dumars a little bit. But nobody outside of Detroit uh, really gives you know any uh, any type of thought to uh, Joe Dumars, and he was a great so player. It's, it's more, but. it's more that it knocks you down like multiple tiers. If Not. if Barkley wasn't ringless, he would be in conversation for like greatest players to ever play. He, I mean, he is. He's like usually regarded as the second or third best power forward and i wouldn't want anything to do with what carl malone is going on but like give me charles barkley's career any day put it this way no one takes charles barkley over tim duncan why well tim duncan was also a better player but in the rings definitely are part of it but everybody takes charles barkley over joe dumars like if you're yes, going to tell me i can be a one was... a player with rings or a one a player without rings obviously i'm taking the rings but if yeah, I can be a 1A player be, without rings a or a 1B player with rings, I'm still going to be that 1A that one one player. A player. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you are getting more respect. And I think if you if you are that 1A player, most of the time, um, you know, you have you probably have like the uh, alpha personality. You're probably more uh, more of a leader than, mo- than most 1B guys. Um, and to, with that being said, you're probably more secure in yourself. And like, I know what I did. I know I'm a Hall of Famer. I know I'm one of the best, at the very least, like three best power forwards of all time. A top, I don't know what you want to call him, a top 25-ish player um, ever. And again, this is just using Barkley and even Malone as an example. Because as, as shitty as he is as a person, he's a, a obviously a tremendous basketball player. Um and then you still so you still get that level of respect, but you're you're right, you're not vaulted into like the top ten. But if you're any of these other tiers, you know you're not even really in consideration for like the top fifty. Um, I, I don't know where Dumars ranked on that top seventy-five list that ES or ESPN or Bleacher Report just put out. Um, I don't even know if he was on it, but if he was, he certainly wasn't higher, obviously, than like Malone or uh, or Barkley was. So if you're talking like that drastic of a difference. I'd take being a Barkley type player, um, a Malone type player, um, Iverson. McGrady's a little different because he had more injuries than some of the other guys. But I'll take a guy who was being regarded as like this is this was one of the best players in the league, like one of the two or three best players in the league, as opposed to oh this guy is a he you know he's Clay Thompson right he's he's second banana on a title team, um, or even a a guy like Kyrie Irving. Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, somebody like that. Um, but yeah, I'd rather be the 
more highly regarded as he did everything he could. His team just couldn't get it done. And I think, you know, your own self-confidence and just more so how you're regarded can weigh out all of the, you know, all of the jokes that you're going to get from a guy like Shaq, who is that 1A player with rings, who can now clown on you because not only was he in the same tier of a player, uh, you know, if you're specifically talking Shaq and Barkley, obviously Shaq was better, um, but, you know, the same, like, kind of kind of class of player, and he has rings, so he can shit talk you, but a guy like Bark, but a guy like, you know, John Sally, um, Joe Dumars, some of these other guys, like, aren't going to be able to talk trash to Barkley, because they just simply, like, weren't the player that he was. And, and to me, it sounds like the discussion is probably more about, and I know that this is a little subjective, but a little bit more about, like, legacy than anything else right like oh yeah it's a major part of it absolutely that's a major part of it and and so i think that that's where i think i would take the top tier because like not to be morbid but there's a day when you're not going to be here but will your name still be remembered and i think in a lot of ways you know that could be said of many professional athletes but people are going to long remember i think charles barkley before they would long remember joe dumars well, and I do so want to, to talk to our Detroit fans. Lay off of Joe Dumars. He got us one title <laughs> as a GM, and he was a key contributor of those two, those two rings that we won. Those Pistons, right. even before they imploded at the end, they weren't going to do anything anyway. Lay off. True story. I'm trying to bring this over to like get away from basketball, so Paul can. Like, I, was just, more. I was just. So gonna ask I was just going to. I was going to say for football with Dan Marino, you have got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm trying to find a comparison on the ring side, and I'm stuck on Troy Aikman, who was a damn good quarterback in his own right, won right. three Super Bowls, which is a lot in football. Right. But Eli he Manning can go on is the, the comparison. He's a goddamn trash can that's going to make the Hall no, of no, Fame. No, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about still having a damn good career. As a quarterback, numbers wise as well. I mean, Eli had a good and career. Being in the conversation like of top you know, ten and everything, one of the better ones at the time. But he's not in the goat conversations. Troy Aikman is never in the conversation for when you talk about greatest quarterbacks. Right. So who is more revered? Is it Dan Marino, who has no titles, only one Super Bowl appearance, or is it Troy Aikman? I think in this case, it's Dan Marino that's more revered. I, I do uh, think I, it's I, Marino. I don't, so here, I think, I don't think so. Here's. Here's where you start splitting hairs, and also it depends on who you ask. I think a lot of people would answer Troy Aikman, but, yeah. Aikman, but you're talking Dan Marino. Some people consider the greatest quarterback well, ever. He had and all he the records also, before Peyton started. He to break went him. to he went to a Super Bowl immediately in his career, so he got there and proved that he could get it done. And football is the ultimate team sport, right? So when you're that good that early and you set the bar, and then you keep that level up through your entire career just because the ring never came he almost he he really and not even almost he is the exception to the rule but look at a guy like tony romo look at a guy like matthew stafford and compare them to guys like eli manning trash cans with rings like it's not you're you're gonna tell me that eli manning didn't doesn't have higher career regarded than tony romo for sure he does and it's bullshit yeah i, I would agree with that and it's and I would way rather be Tony Romo by a million years. Like, keep your rings and shove them. Give them to goddamn Plastical Burris so he can shoot you too. But trash ass quarterback. But God. go back to that legacy thing. In forty years from now, take the TV side out of it. When both of those guys are gone, who's remembered more, Eli or Romo? You know what I'm saying? Dead, man, who cares? Well, I I understand that, but 
You get, you gotta believe so, that, like. So you... if you're, so my thing is, if I, if I care that much about being remembered, I want to be remembered as the goat. And you can't be remembered as the goat, as it's been proven, without the rings. So if I'm not going to be the goat, then I don't care. I don't need to be. Oh, he might have been a top ten quarterback. Like I don't need that. So, so let's say that, let's say that let, hypothetically, and I'm gonna bring this guy up because I know you guys know I love talking about him. Let's say Trout never wins a World Series. He can never be in the conversation of greatest of all time. He won't be. I guarantee Isn't, isn't he, he already in the conversation for like greatest that's of even, all time? So the, the people that love Trout are sabermetrics people more than anybody else. Well, and that's, or people with lucky. eyeballs. He is say, lucky like, you can to, just understand that somebody's really great at... He is lucky to come up in the era of the ultimate stats in baseball... That helps. And That's not the whole story. It helps story. a ton. No, it's not. First of all, you can very much argue that he's the greatest ever. Like, you can statistically make that case. But 10 years from now, when he's not playing, if if ESPN or anybody. Well, he's puts signed out, for 14 more years, so. They're he might still like, be they're playing. GOAT baseball players. Trout's not going to be on the list, dude. He's not. Now, you can argue why he should be. People talk about Bonds as a GOAT, and he doesn't have any rings. That's true. He doesn't have rings, but people do consider him in that goat conversation. Does Griffey have a ring? I've never. Con- Griffey so doesn't I, have I, a ring. I don't want – I'm not going to say you're wrong, AJ, because you would know more than I would. I've never once heard Bond's name brought up. Uh, Bond's isn't even in the freaking hall, dude. Well, okay, but that's that's that's, that's a completely that's different other really, – Yeah, different conversation. Conversation. But because, does that, not, does that but conversation not directly affect his goat status? Well, I, I, I think – but, again, I think it goes back to no, something. I don't remember if I – mentioned with a well, butt. Like I've heard that. people say I don't Clemens remember, was like the best pitcher. Yeah, and I, think and I don't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I said it off the podcast. But Hall of Fame, to me, when it's voted on by the sports writers, is more of a formality than truly anything else because – like, tell me why it's acceptable for someone like a Babe Ruth, right, to not have a consensus vote into the Hall of Fame when he is considered for decades. We're talking decades. We're not talking years like somebody else came along. We're talking about into the 2000s when this guy last played in the 1930s that he's still considered the greatest of all time. But yet I mean, was, I... But was not a consensus Hall of Famer. So I think the Hall of Fame is a little bit of a subjective kind of argument now oh, to, I, to I answer your 100%. question to answer your question about bonds obviously i probably have a little bit more knowledge on this than you would just because of the facebook groups that i follow but i can tell you that as far as fans are concerned there is when you talk about the greatest of all time people are talking about babe ruth they're talking about mickey mantle they're talking about ted williams as far as the hitting goes they're talking about willie mays Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, and Mike Trout. Those are like the six guys I would say that are in that conversation. So I just pulled up. I just pulled up ESPNs. And honest, so I will say. So this is why I think baseball gets part of a pass in relation to other sports. It's is there another sport that one player has as little impact outside of maybe a pitcher? Well, and that's why I was going to push back on that ultimate team game. Like, I agree no, with you. No, Football is a very ultimate team game. But, like, I, baseball is... So, I think is, they're two different things. I think they're, like, 1A, 1B. Yeah. I, ju- I think they're different. I don't think you can... So, the way I would have to... I think there's nuance to that discussion. Football is the ultimate team game in a different sense 
than baseball mm-hmm. is. The thing about baseball, though, if you take one individual player across any sport, I think they have the least impact. I would in agree. Baseball. Yeah, even if, the, like even the, if it's, it's a pitcher, and I, if you think a pitcher has more impact on a game than a quarterback, which I would probably agree with, they're only there once, you know, one every five. But, years. that's the thing. But if a pitcher pitched every game, it would be different. Yeah, I, but I would agree with that. But I would also say that. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, and I agree that among all sports, like one player can make everybody else around them, but I better. But I also think that in a lot of ways, baseball highlights that a little bit more. You take, for instance, somebody like a Miguel Cabrera hitting three, right? That automatically makes our first and second hitters a lot better, and it also means that four and five are going to see a lot of a lot better pitches too because they're not going to want. Um, just because it so changes I'm, the I'm dynamic of the game. So I'm glad you brought that up, and the reason I'm glad you brought that up is it perfectly touches on what I just discussed, the nuance of it, how when you talk about it in football, it's very different than baseball. So right. in football, if you say a quarterback makes his players better, it's because he you take his receivers, right. he throws them open, or he yeah. gets his offensive line set up with the protections. He 100%. literally, legitimately, through the things that he is doing, is helping the, the team around him, right? Yeah. Whereas in baseball, so like the example you just gave with Cabrera, Cabrera's existence and talent alone makes the other team do things differently, right. which a, makes those players better. Yes. And that's why it's it's the same thing, but it's different but at the different. same time. Yep, it's, it's like different. two sides of and the same coin in a lot and of ways. It's a very, it is not a, it's kind of not a complex discussion. It's just a very nuanced discussion. Yep. And so that's why when you talk about baseball, I, I do think baseball is hard to frame that way. So like Cabrera, Cabrera will be considered when he ends his career. Well, he'll be in everybody's top three right-handed hitters ever. I would think. I would be shocked if he wasn't. So he he gets that, but people hardly remember that he has a ring. You're right, because it happened so You're early right. in his career and in Florida where nobody thinks anything good Like he's not getting that respect because he won that ring with the Marlins. Right. That, does, that, did, that changed nothing about his career. The only thing that has changed about his career is you can't have nerds on Twitter saying, oh, he never won a ring. Like that's it. That's all it changed. Right. But in baseball, it really just – But he also Trout, had the best years of his career after he won that ring. Like he, that's true. He made his na- the for name sure. for himself – after that ring like he came up 100%. i think he won that ring his rookie season against the new york yankees which was significant hitting a home run off of roger clemens that year but then the real miguel cabrera like kind of took off from there so the ring is kind of like a byproduct right it's just a it's just a, a thing that he has in his back pocket against the discussion that you're talking about online so and, and so and i want to be clear on this because i am I think the reason that I am so – I stress so much how much rings matter for perception is because of how much I hate it. I think it's absurd across all sports. I think the winning argument is lazy and pathetic and yeah. largely irrelevant. And I hate so much the way players are judged. You Especially about MVP. in a team sport setting. You talked about MVP, how it is a subjective metric. I think – I don't think it should be. I think they should set parameters to get into the Hall of Fame. Did I say MVP? Yeah, you did. Jesus, I meant Hall of Fame. I think there should be a set parameters that you are on your way into the Hall of Fame, whether it's career war, whether it's how many seasons you played with a certain production. There should be algorithms, and you have five ways to get into the Hall of Fame if you 
if they punch the numbers in in the ace algorithms and you hit one of them then you can get into the hall of fame and if you don't you don't and i think it should be that simple i think we should take writers out of it i think we should take subjectivity out of it i, I think agree. we should take winning out of it i think if you hit these thresholds you can get into the hall of fame if you don't you don't and then you don't have you don't have the Lou and Tram argument, right? You don't have the Lou and Tram argument. You also don't have the Barry Bonds argument because oh. the, the the fact that the fact that. Well, hold on. I feel like I feel like somebody would be like, if you do PEDs, you're disqualified, which is yeah, bullshit, by the way. But but again, like I go back to the PED thing, and I, I I the more that I think about the PED thing, the more apt I'm like. First of all, it was encouraged by Bud Seed because of the popularity of the game was waning. Second of all, like a dude can get as buff as he wants to get and have all this performance-enhancing drugs in his body that he wants to have, but the dude's still got to hit the white pill. If he, and it could ruin you. It, yeah, I mean, like... It could throw your swing off and make it harder. Like, I mean, it's the hardest thing in sports, the, right? The thing, about, the thing about Barry Bonds, and this is why... Like, I think that he is the greatest argument against, like... Hall of Fame and PED disqualification because he was productive prior, like Hall of Fame like prior before. to yeah, it's yeah, like MVP. when he was with the Pirates, man, he was like outstanding. And then you move towards you know the use of PEDs and the sacrimony of the game. Like, let's be honest, like baseball is one of the most nostalgic games of 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 the history of um sporting. But it is a very, it is not a clean game, and it has never been a clear game, a clean game. And not even a and, clean game and, now. You got teams and the, the that's what I'm saying. So like, so while at the same time, like I don't think that cheating should be allowed. Like we've had this argument about the Astros on plenty of podcasts before. Like there should be some way to protect the integrity of the game. But at the same time, and maybe I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, Paul, and so I apologize. There's not a lot of integrity to protect. Like and I, Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker were like there's there's a gap in Ty Cobb's like time with the Tigers because he was asked to step away because they thought that he was fixing games. Right? So this is not a new problem. And so when you talk and you champion the integrity of the game, like let let's be very clear that Barry Bonds yeah, did he take PEDs? The evidence, even though he would deny it, is there that he he you know took PEDs allegedly right? But he still had to hit the baseball, and he still had to hit the baseball over the fence seven hundred and fifty however many times he did it right fifty six or whatever Three? six no seven seventy three is the record. So he still had to hit the ball over the fence seven hundred and seventy three times, and. I don't know. I just think it's a weak argument to say, oh, he's not Hall of Fame worthy because he took PEDs. Like, he's third on you know, this ESPN list. A lot of people list. believe that. And I, I hate it. I, I agree with everything you said so much. I mean, it's not – you have there are so many people in the Hall of Fame that took PEDs and we just didn't know. So they're, the moral of the story is we reward people that are better at cheating. Like, right, And that's what I'm saying. Like – now, when you get into someone like a Pete Rose that was betting on baseball, or like you say the 1919... Don't even get me started on Pete Rose. This is a bigger travesty than Barry Bonds. In a way, yes. In a way, no. I mean, you could put him in as a player. I have no problem with that. But I also don't think that Pete Rose has helped his case at all. Like, Pete Rose being Pete Rose has not helped his case. <laughs> I'm glad. A bunch of stuffy-ass old white men. Like Pete but, Rose. <laughs> But, I mean, to get back to our topic at hand, like, 
if Trout never wins a ring, would you rather have had his career than, say, Delman Young, right? Like, neither of them yeah. got a ring, but, you know, Delman had I feel it. like ba- – that's why it's almost a sport-to-sport sport discussion. Yeah. It's hard to generalize. But, again, so – so, again, though, thinking back to it myself, like, if what I wanted for me – Nah, man, I would still take the rings. Like, I would take the middling rings. <coughs> Damn. The A couple rings, but still being, you know, one of the top performers in being the sport. Being a key player, winning a couple rings, making a lot of money still, not top tier, not being in the GOAT discussion. But I, so living through, and I mean, we're all well past our playing days, but think back to the last time you played competitive sports what winning really meant and what winning a title would have meant or if Everything. you did win a title what it meant and then extrapolate that to if you were a professional and you were at the pinnacle of the sport it means everything getting that like getting yeah. that it doesn't matter how much money you make in your career it doesn't matter goat is not a real title no matter how much airtime we give to it uh-huh. it is not a real accolade it doesn't come with a trophy <laughs> or a medal so yeah. even if even if you want to be in that discussion, like, no one can ever take a ring from you, man. And if you were a key part of getting that, like, what is cooler to be a part of that as an athlete? And you still have the money to live big on the rest of your life. It's tough for me. I mean, it's for me, it's not, it's not the guy that, and I don't want to say, you know, for lack of a better term, rode, you know, multiple championships, you know, and Steve Kerr did his job. Robert Ory hit big shots for Houston, hit big shots for the Lakers, hit big shots for the Spurs. He absolutely made his impact. I kind of see those guys and Dumars in like the same tier. No, because Dumars was one of the top shooting guards of his era, defensively, especially, but offensively as well, was a finals MVP, their first championship. The ba- actual bad boys championship, Dumars was the finals MVP, not Isaiah. Isaiah okay. got it the second year. All right, you know, and so, you know, he has always been in that conversation type for, you know, his era and what he did. And then you got someone like a Barkley or a Malone or a Dominique Wilkins, you know, or a, I mean, it would say Clyde Drexler, but Drexler ended up winning one, the the second Houston one, but you know, to be in this, you know, conversation as the best at your position for year in and year, Paul Pierce before 08, you know, one of the best small forwards in basketball, but no ring, you know, and you have that respect without a championship. Yeah. I, I, you know, I agree with Paul that, you know, you, you can't buy a ring, you know, you, the, the respect that comes with it, the, the ability to show it off, and have the conversations surrounding it, you know. I, it's hard. It's it's between one of those. It's not. It's not the guys that you know were lower level but won multiple championships more than a lot of great players have. Yeah. I think I'd want that respect of being one of the best in my era at my position, while giving up the I'm one of the greatest of all time at my position. But I got a couple rings to show for it, at least. So let me ask you. Let me play devil's advocate for a second here. You you win that ring, right? Nobody can take that ring away from you. Um, Unless you're Charlotte Lewis. You ever watch uh, Pawn Stars and see how many like championship rings they actually get in there? 
Like the mm-hmm. ring after a certain amount of time doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Hold right? on. Those are from two-bit players. Those might be from managers, people There's that didn't even play, ring, people though. that that's ran out saying. of money, like, people that got into drug problems. And no, that's the big thing is the ones who it. ran out of money that Stop had to do it because there right, are some greats like, that had like, to hawk their rings. Isn't the isn't – the, the legacy of being remembered. You still and have your memory and your name in history. Yeah, Matt Barnes didn't even want his ring. And you can always get another ring mate. It's not a, it's, it's, if you ever get the money I mean, Ron Artest held people. a huge auction for charity for his ring. I, so the thing is, like, so I think who personifies this, this discussion is Carmelo Anthony. I think nobody can possibly personify this like Carmelo Anthony because he was the best of the best. He had a wildly successful career outside of ever winning that title has been endlessly knocked for it every which way even though he won a freaking title in college carried his at bum ass team there that was and not a bum ass team shut up you should bum ass team for the that for Syracuse the, team was for this argument is the bum players Akeem um, Ward yeah even though he won in college, he never got done in the NBA. And, and that's what he's known for more than – besides not being one of the greatest shooting guards of his era, but no, just the fact that well, he never Well, no, but it also had to do with who he came in with. Well, he he came in with LeBron guard. James. He came in with Dwayne Wade. Well, one's got I'm three. I'm sorry, small and the forward. Other, two, three, three, three in modern NBA, same shit. It is yeah, whatever. But, he, but it's who he came – but it's his draft class as well. His draft class won championships around LeBron James won titles. Dwayne Wade won titles. Chris Bosh won titles. His draft class around Think him, about so that's, that's the difference. Didn't. They all won titles. Like that's what it is. So that's. Would you rather yeah, have yeah, Carmelo the Anthony's three of the career? Three bitches just had to team up. Would you rather have Carmelo Anthony's career or Clay Thompson's? I don't think it's close. No, I'd rather I mean, have Clay Thompson's. I'm picking Clay Thompson's every time. Are you kidding me? But Clay Thompson. It, it, not respect wise, player wise, like as far as like if you were. If but you Carmelo were never won MVP. You should have. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a dev, that's that's a way closer argument than saying Dumars or Barkley, because Barkley well, is I think like it's a, always way 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 so more don't, respected. So do not than, do not get caught up in the quick examples Matt gave. Well, no, because his quick examples, you're like a top twenty player ever, and Carmelo is never going to be considered that. Right. So when you take out like you are, but he, one of you the don't think... best ever ever ever, as opposed to like you're just one of the best of this what ten year stretch that you were in the NBA. The thing is, if Carmelo Anthony got it done, ring-wise, he would be considered a top 25 player ever. You're saying if he would have gotten drafted by the Pistons and and back <laughs> For to sure. back. Dude, hold on. If he had gotten drafted by the Pistons, Carmelo Anthony might be considered better than LeBron James today. And that was, we started this discussion another I, I time. I agree. I mean, I, I, I agree we is, started it a lot. Well, I mean, that's, that's also is, if he adjusted his game. So it's a right. different Carmelo Wait, Anthony we're talking well, about. Well, but me and you both agree that he would have. But we yeah, don't know that for sure. But, but that's also not saying There's no so way to know that. But that's also not saying it's the same but Carmelo imagine, Anthony that we so know just, now. So just, we're like not a different we're not Carmelo making, might have we're not saying, not saying this would have happened. But say Carmelo puts up similar numbers. Hell, numbers that weren't even quite as good. But say Melo comes in and three-peats with the Pistons. And then has a long, productive career. You think that he's not considered a top 20? He would literally be considered better than LeBron, at least for the bulk of his career, because he would have won early and often. And they came in like, boom, boom, like these are the guys, right? Like they should have went one, two, and didn't, obviously, as we know. But these were the two. And then if Carmelo comes out of the gates on fire winning titles while putting up – he averaged 21 points a game his rookie year at 19 years old, dude. Like he comes out 
and does what he does for the Pistons, wins a couple yeah. titles yeah, right out of the gates. Like, the you're talking about you're talking about historical greatness is how Carmelo would be framed, and he's not because he got drafted to the wrong team and never won a ring. I, that's where I, I, he personifies this to me more than anybody in any sport possibly could ever. Because more than Charles Barkley, more than anybody else. Because I think the way he's perceived and the way he would have been perceived is just so astronomically far apart. And then you look at a guy like Clay Thompson, who will never get the individual recognition that Carmelo did. But career-wise, I would take that a million times out of a million. Yeah. Oh, that's a good discussion, for sure. And that is a discussion for another show. This show has run its course. So, Ryan, do the thing. Make sure that you're following us on all of our social media platforms. You can cop our podcast on both uh, Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Like, share, subscribe, rate, review, and then follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Forgot the name of it. Uh, You can just find us there at uh, Sports Carnage Podcast. And, yeah, just make sure you guys are showing your support. We appreciate it. For Ryan Griffin, Paul Roshan, AJ Riley, I'm Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. Thank you for spending a couple hours with us this week. We'll be back with y'all next week.